privilege to be here with you this morning, and I'm really glad that you are here, each one of you. Seems like a lot has uh, taken place here again this week. Um, a lot of things that uh, take place that can really rock the boat in your, you know, in a person's life. Um, Please remember to pray for Dell and Jenny Harrell. Uh, also, I got a text message from Dell this morning that Jenny had a really difficult night and that he uh, could very well have uh, taken her to the hospital. We're going to check after the service here this morning to find out. It did not happen. They're still at home. Okay, praise the Lord that. And then um, uh, the elders met with Tom and, and Sandy Ackerman on Wednesday night and prayed for Tom, and uh, you know, just the reminder that he had discontinued chemotherapy, and um, I'm just so impressed with both of these couples and their responses to the Lord and the difficulty that they're in, and um, just uh, keep them in prayer, in your prayers, and um, I know that there's a lot of other things that are going on in your life or in somebody's life that you know. Um. And it, you know, we don't always have the answer to it, do we? And uh, it's difficult. So, um, thus, uh, for this we have Jesus. He is our rock. We've sung that a bunch of times already this morning. And um, uh, we call upon him. And uh, we don't necessarily like it, but um, we're all in the school of faith. And uh, obviously, I want it to be peaceful and still. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, and as a boy, I got to go fishing on uh, just lakes that were just just nice and quiet and still. And, it, you know, uh, you learned how to skip rocks on it and everything, and no big waves, nice and smooth. And uh, how, I know that I've transferred that into my mind about wanting my life to go that way. Um, and, uh, we don't, we don't get that option. Okay. And it's, uh, the stuff that happens, whether it's health things or, uh, people issues, um, disappointments, failures and all, uh, God has a reason for it. And we who say we're believers, we're called to be in the word so that we can learn more and more of his good hand upon our lives. Well, I'm, uh, I gotta be careful I don't start rambling here because I'm not going by my notes. Um, so this morning in your bulletin you have a, an outline you can follow along. It's Moses' journey of faith. Moses' journey of faith. And notice little parentheses there from speculation to activation. From speculation to act, activation. This scene in Exodus chapter 4, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible, the, please take the one in front of you. Um, it's page 47 in the, the Pew Bible in front of you there. Page 47, Exodus chapter 4. We're going to be uh, doing our best to cover uh, verses 1 through 17 this morning. And this scene uh, found here in Exodus 4 reveals critical aspects of the faith journey of Moses. 
God has Moses, uh, as we say, under construction. Okay? He's preparing him for what's ahead and taking on the role as the leader and del- deliverer of Israel to leave Egypt in the Exodus and, and move on to the promised land. And in this passage, we see Moses really kind of backing away. He's got that tendency that I have, that you have. Um, we want to really just kind of back out of what God's called us to do. So with each little issue here, he's kind of pushing himself away from God's call upon his life. And um, so we want to look at these aspects of, of the faith journey that obviously apply to you and I through the, the person of Moses, okay? Normally, what, what do you think of when you, you think of Moses um, taking on the leadership of the nation, of Israel, and so hey, he's like a, the CEO kind of, you know, head honcho. Here you go, charge after things, and you follow Moses, and it'll be all right. Well, this morning we're seeing a different side of it with the, with Moses' faith. So, point number one in your outline is how faith gets derailed. How faith gets derailed. Now, what we're going to do, I'm not going to split this up in, you know, here's this uh, this part of the passage and then this part and then this part and we're done. I'm going to jump around a little bit. So we want to look first at the ways that Moses kind of did the backpedal from God first. Okay. So in verse 1, look at verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold... They will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And then look down at verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then finally, in verse 13, he cries out, but he said, oh, my Lord, please just send someone else. Okay, so we want to track along with this understanding what Moses was really focused on with each one. He was focused on something. Just like you and I get focused in the wrong place, our focus is like number one, letter A, on speculations. We just get our, our, we can get our focus set on speculations in life. Now that's not wrong in and of itself. It's just you want to be wise, right, with your life and all. Um, but we get focused on it. We get locked into it of what others will think, what others will say, what others might do in response to what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and notice the first verse. What's the first word there? <laughs> When Moses started talking, he, the first word he says is, but Lord, kind of, but let's, let's hold on here. Wait. Not the greatest word to start with when you're talking to God, but God. <laughs> and it's almost like we could say, you know, look, God, I've been thinking here. What if, and that's what the New American Standard Bible says, what if, poses it that way. So what if they 
will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And really, I, I know we might be overemphasizing it, but maybe he was just really locked into what others are thinking. What will they say? What, how will they believe? Now, what did God already do in chapter 3? God had already revealed himself and then told him, you go and tell these people. Okay? You go tell them. And then in verse, in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, God says, go gather the elders, the leadership, and tell them, and they will listen to you. He didn't necessarily say that to the, about the people of Israel, but, you know, like most of us, when we come under pressure and we're realizing, hey, uh, he told me I'm going to go lead the people out of Israel, and it's, you know, and, and you start cooking on it. And so, yeah, I, I get it why Moses started looking for the what-ifs. After all, I don't want to be caught on thin ice, do you? As a young boy in Minnesota, I was always warned, don't go out on that creek out there. That ice is thin out there. You don't even know it's not really like uh, deep ocean water, deep lake water. It's still going to be freezing, so don't you go out there. We don't like getting caught on thin ice for anything in life. We want to be careful, right? We want to be cautious in that. And yet, this is showing that our focus is on speculations which can easily derail me or you from walking by faith. Letter B. What else has he got his focus on in verse 10? Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech, I'm slow of tongue. We get focused on inadequacies. Now, it's not wrong to be, in fact, it's good to be humble, right? That's what God calls you and I to do, is humble ourselves and submit to him. But in this case, obviously, the the, the focus was where? Not on what God had said and what God had promised, but on, oh, I'm not a good speaker. Now, that might be true. Maybe he wasn't a good speaker, but he ended up, you know, speaking to the people and speaking to Pharaoh and all that. I'm just not eloquent. It, the word there it can be translated, I'm not, I'm just heavy of speech. Maybe he was slow of speech. I know, uh, you know, there's times where the cat's got my tongue. I don't know what to say, right? Those kind of things. But again, we see this as another step back from our Moses moves back, another step away from what God wants him to do. And then verse 13, letter C, is really a focus on some sort of escape. Some sort of, I, I want to escape somehow. Say, Lord, just call, call somebody else. His last-ditch effort, so to speak. <laughs> he just, it sounds like underneath it, he's saying, I don't want to do this. And so really, as with most people, Moses has, in his, in his own way, revealed his true problem, his true gripe. is really, I, I'm just, I've got a fear I'm afraid. That's, I believe that's what's really behind it. That's why he's saying this. 
Well, aren't you glad that's not the the end of the story there, you know, here's, here's God who we've said before in our series here in Exodus, God's the sovereign one. God's in control. Nothing surprises God. So here's, here's point number two, God's work in how faith gets ignited. It's already been initiated in Moses, but here's how faith gets ignited. And it's by letter a by signs then letter B, by truth, and then letter C, by purpose. Or on purpose, if you want to say it that way in letter C. But letter A, by signs. Now we know, reading the whole passage, we know that God has, um, is, has, yeah, God gave him three signs. There's two immediate ones that are immediately done, you know. And then a third one that's for when he gets to Egypt. So right away, without any interruptions, God doesn't say, I'm going to give you a sign. Look at what he does here. In verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Like, really? Okay, it's my staff. Here it is. He said, a staff. Verse 3, and he said, God said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. (laughs) But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. And so he put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. I I was like, I'm, you know, in studying this, I'm thinking, why, why didn't he reason with God at that point saying, I don't want to pick up the snake by the tail. I mean, he'd already said, you know, a couple of things saying, hey, God, I'm backing away from this. Right. We'll talk about, you know, this in just a moment. We won't get there yet, but it's interesting. This is really basically the only thing he has other than his clothes. Right. He's not pulling a trailer out in the wilderness for shepherding. He's not pulling a little Winnebago or whatever. He has just got his staff and here's his robe and there's the sheep somewhere wandering off while he's still talking to the burning bush, right? Burning bush hasn't gone out. Here's God still talking through the burning bush. But it's a very familiar tool for him, right? He's a shepherd. He's been that for 40 years, always associating, uh, uh, always associated with being a shepherd. It was like his identity. He used it for his sheep, protecting them, keeping them from wandering, pulling them out of a snare, you know, or a pit or a predicament of some sort. He'd get the crook side and get it around the neck and yank that little sheep out, whatever. Okay. I suppose he could have even used it for himself. Um, but what is it? It's just a piece of wood. It's dried up. Uh, I know for some of you, you know, it's like a walking stick. You, you, you can't just take any piece of wood. You want to have a nice walking stick, you know. But it's just a piece of wood. Okay. God tells him, throw it down. And immediately that familiar wooden staff became a snake moving about. And Moses ran away. Um, if it's anything, I, I could handle a gardener snake. You know, you've not not a big deal. So, you know, what we understand here, and many commentators understand this, it's 
probably a, something like a cobra. Um, his staff is not just a little walking stick. It's a it's tall, you know, and so maybe it's the same length of the the, the walking stick. We don't know exactly. But he did. He picked it up by its tail, and you don't pick up a snake by its tail. Okay? Because that's time for the snake to work its way around to bite. But yet, he did that. And, I, and maybe, again, I just get to thinking these things, okay? Bear with me. It's like, I wonder if Moses was just saying, okay, I will, I'll pick it up by the tail and maybe it'll bite me and this thing will be over. (laughs) But let's not go there. Let's just believe that he obeyed God. Let's, Let's do that, okay? Let's say, he believed God. He picked it up by the tail. And immediately, it's back to the... The, the miracle of coming back to the, the shepherd's staff. Okay? And look at verse 5. Why? Why did you do, do this? That they may believe that the Lord... Who's they? The Israelites. He's concerned about the Israelites believing him or not. That they, verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their father, here we go again, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you, Moses. There's credential. There's this credential, right? You, You do this in front of them and they'll believe. Well, it's interesting. You know, we... I don't want to put this off for later in the message, but I want to mention it here now. Along with, here's this sign that Moses was to be able to use in front of the people. There's a lot of uh, uh, thoughts and interpretations about what does this mean? And so there's, there's the idea of the connection in it is back to Egypt. The people see this miracle and they're saying, okay, God's appeared to him. But also it's got a connection off to Israel here. You know, the Pharaoh wore a headdress. And on that headdress is what? A snake. And it's in the form of a risen cobra. Spread out like, you know, we think of a cobra. And it's got that kind of a look, you know. And that's the idea of, uh, here's a part of their worship. Here's a part of what they believe. Their paganism. Their, you know, all all the things that they have said. Well, this is a God, and this is a God, and this is a God. And so, what is this showing? Show that God's mighty hand will prevail over Egypt. Over the king who bears this symbol. God's going to win. God's going to prevail, right? And so, no wonder God was going to stretch forth his mighty hand in verse, in chapter 3, verse 20 and strike Egypt. All of the 
godless things they, they are doing, all of the, the false worship that they're promoting and all. So as a, another little point of here's divine judgment in this sign. Well, the second sign we see in, in verse 6. Look at verse 6. And again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put it in, he put his hand inside his cloak. And when it took, when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Verse 8. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And here's this idea of this sign, meaning the idea of here's that God will restore. God will restore his people. And if you like it even better, God's going to bring purification by his deliverance, by his, his redemption. And only God could bring this about. Only God could. Even in New Testament times, the idea of leprosy, you know, just send them out because no one's going to heal them. And again, we've said it in the past here, that's a connection to, a pointing to your sin. The idea of leprosy, it points to our condition. No one can heal you. And so, you know, again, I, I just say, if you're here this morning and you know that you don't believe in Jesus Christ, He is the answer. He's the only one who can bring about a, a pardon of your sin, a cleansing from your sin, and make you right with God. So put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in yourself, not in the system, not in a church, not in a tradition. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and then start building that faith on what he says in his word. Start living in that way, a way of faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we find a third sign that God gives Moses not to use at this moment, but to use eventually. Verse 9, look at it. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Well, here's another great... um, Attack from God, if you will, against the system of Egypt. Here they, they worship the river. Why? Well, the river was what gave everything life. But they turned it into a, an idol, if you will. Signifying the eventual defeat of Egypt. And other commentators draw out the connection that the three signs given here in this passage have signify, um, have, they, that they signify God's overall victory, okay? His victory over Satan, the snake. His victory over the flesh, leprosy. His victory over the world system, Egypt. Okay? So remember, the signs are given to lead us 
not to the the fantastic sign, but to lead us to God, the one true God, the great I am. And then as we follow the storyline throughout the Bible, it points us to the one true God who came, Jesus Christ. So, we see that Faith gets ignited by signs, but that leads us to the truth. Letter B, under number two, by truth. Faith is ignited by truth. Now, this is not just a one-time deal, folks. Don't you get to thinking that it's a one-time deal. This is an ongoing issue of faith is stoked. The fire of faith in your life is stoked by truth. The truth of God's word. And truth is what the signs really are trying to magnify, that the truth about God. That God sent Moses. That God is behind this. So the signs are given to the people to point them to God. God-given signs are always going to magnify God and His truth. Here we can see the importance of the truths about God. What's going on in this moment, in this passage, is that it's about God's presence and His help for Moses and obviously for the people. But let's add in this. And the prevailing power over Egypt. The prevailing power over Egypt. That's what we're understand that's what we're to understand and, and take to heart. Truth is what must be undergirding our lives, not simply like an add-on to your life. It's got to be like our foundation, like Jesus talks about. Build your house on the rock, not on sand. It's got to be our foundation to build a life of faith in Jesus. By knowing and learning the truth of God in His Word. I've given this to people in the past because it helped me as a new believer. And that is just, and maybe some of you recall it or you heard it from me in the past. I don't know, but it's an illustration of a train. The little train that could, right? (laughs) What is that train, if we're to image this as uh, the picture of a Christian life, what does the engine signify? Stop and think about that. The engine of the train, we always think that 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 signifies what? Faith, of course, because we're to walk by faith, right? Well, it's not faith that's the engine. It's fact. It's the fact of the Word of God. The truth of the Word of God is the engine in our lives. Now, what do we do? The next car comes along and hooks up. What's that car? Faith. Your faith locks into the truth of God's Word. And then we got the caboose. What's the caboose? It's what we, most of the time, try to run our lives by. Feelings. We try and run our lives by our feelings. I don't like this. I don't like that. Or I don't feel good. Or I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm trying to put the caboose at the front. And I'm trying to get over the mountains and the valleys with the caboose. How silly. As long as we've alliterated, how foolish. (laughs) 
Fact, faith, feeling. Okay? And, and you and I will do so much better in regards to our lives when we run, when we ha- when we understand that, when we do it that way, when we see that in God's Word. Okay? Jesus said in John chapter 8, right? John chapter 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my, what? Word, you are truly my disciples and you will, you know it, you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John chapter 8, verse 31, 32. Okay? So, faith is ignited by signs, by truth, and then letter C, by purpose. The idea isn't just to fill up your life with uh, the idea of, oh, I've, I've witnessed signs in my life. I've witnessed all sorts of signs and miracles in my life. No, it's not just to fill up on that. It's not just to fill up your mind with knowledge and truth, but there's purpose then with it all, right? The purpose is that you know, you're, you're now living this way you're embracing God's good purpose. You're enjoined with God's good plan. You're engaged with God's will in your life. And that's not just for the Bible students that go to college. That's for every Christian. I can't express it enough for young people. You guys lock in on saying, I want to learn God's word. I want to learn God's word so that I can live a life of faith and look more like the Lord Jesus in my actions, in my conversation, in my behavior. So this is God's will for your life. As a Christian, God's will is that you and I come to know of His enabling grace. Not just that you've got to try harder. No, it's we, we lean on Him and trust Him and and welcome His enabling grace in our lives that gives victory over temptations of, uh, from Satan. Do you know what that's like to have victory over, over the temptations? We need to be a people that experience that more than falter. Yes, we falter and under temptation. We give in to temptation. But we want to have an experience regarding saying, I I could say no to that temptation. Because why? Jesus is doing his work in my life. The old natures, we want to have victory over the old natures, desire to control. Every day, the old nature wants to control things in my life and in your life. Every day. And then the vain attractions of the world. Egypt. Remember the people, once they got out into the wilderness, they kind of started complaining, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. And that's a problem that many Christians experience. Hey, it's okay, because the grace of God covers it all. I'm forgiven. I can go do this. No. You don't understand truth then, if that's how you're reasoning in your mind. You need to say, no, I'm not going to pursue that. That That's something that God does not approve of. I will turn away from it. And God, listen, God gives us the power to overcome through his spirit residing in us and through the truth of the word of God so that we can lift him up and praise him for his good, good work 
of sanctification in our lives, right? So, this really uh, leads in a really smooth way to point number three. Faith then is expected. Faith is expected. Point number three in the back of your outline. Look at verse 11 and 12. Okay, so Moses gives his excuse saying, I'm, I'm slow of speech, I'm slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is, is it not I, the Lord? Okay, so we know the answer to the questions. The point is, it's God's design that you believe him. It's the point of everyone in this creation, in this world, that they would have faith in God, not go by themselves, not go by their strength, not go by their reasoning. No, but that we would all come to understand we've got to walk in faith. Walk by faith. That's God's design. This is how God responds to Moses. Who made man's mouth? What's his point? The point isn't just that God's the creator. The point is that God would use him That God uses you. It's one of the greatest fears that people have. Oh, I can't get in front of people and speak. I freeze up. God is saying this so that we'll understand He wants to use us for His glory. He made man's mouth for His glory so that we can speak forth truth and good good things from our mouths rather than trash, rather than slander, rather than garbage, rather than gossip. All those things. So be a person, even, you know, he, he says it here in verse 11, I, who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Whatever the condition is, God wants to use you. I remember an old preacher that came to our church in Southern California. He was basically blind. He had a Bible a little smaller than this one, and he just, he would get his glass piece on and he'd go like this. And he would preach this way and talk that way because he couldn't see. But boy, he was used for God's glory. What about Johnny Erickson Tata? Quadruple, what are you, I don't even know how to say it. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. But you, you know, if you haven't found out about her, look her up uh, online. Johnny Erickson Tata, J-O-N-I, Johnny Erickson Tata. And she's um, got a ministry that um, they minister to people in wheelchairs that, uh, you know, they, they just are really hurting people. And yet, here's hope. Here's hope for them. Why? Because God wants to use you, even in that kind of a condition. God wants to use you. So that's his design. Letter B, it's, we've kind of said it already. It's his will. It's God's will. Look at verse 12. He's saying, now go. No, therefore go. I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you shall speak. There's another reassurance from God. There's no indecisiveness here. It's very decisive. It's God's will. This is what he communicates to Moses. 
Go with God's assurance. Go with God's promise. Not your speculations about what's going on. Go with God's wisdom. Live by God's wisdom, not your own. There's a wisdom from this world, earthly wisdom, and there's a wisdom from above. Okay? Let's be people that are going with God, what God has said, with God's wisdom. You know, all throughout this passage, Moses really has um, demonstrated a reluctance, at least, at best, a reluctance with God. And it comes probably quite close to being a rejection of what God's doing. And there's times where you have rejected God or I have rejected God's plan, God's will for your life. And I'm talking to you who are believers in Jesus Christ, where you have, in one way or another, stiff-armed the calling of God in your life. And I'm not saying to change things up and, you know, uh, in some radical way to prove that you have submitted to God's will. But, for instance, what Chris had alluded to at prayer time, maybe it is a pretty radical change that you're going to leave and say, I'm going to go visit the Langfords in Brazil. Or I'm going to visit the Malakars in India, not just for a getaway, but for a mission trip. I want to do that. I want to check that out because I sense God's calling in my life. This might be God's will in my life. But there's a lot of us here who have missed out already by saying, no, I can't speak, I can't this, I can't that. And we back away and we pull away from what God's trying to accomplish. And we miss out on God's blessing Okay, and I think Moses was on the right on the edge, right, right on the edge of doing that. And here's grace. Here's where grace comes in, in the form of, oh, your brother's coming, Aaron, and God allows that to happen, where Aaron, his brother, comes, and now they will put together their team, their partnership, where Aaron will speak. For whatever Moses says, Aaron's going to speak that. And look at what God says here. And by the way, we, I don't want to miss this. Uh, let's go back to verse 13. And there, here's where Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else. Verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled. Okay? The anger of the Lord was kindled. <clears throat> Notice it wasn't just in a general kind of way. The the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, God said to him, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. What do we have there? There's, here's God's revelation again. 
transferred on. And it's just kind of like a, a mini picture of the revelation of God in his word. He took Paul or Peter or James or John and spoke to them through the, here's the spirit of God working in those men's lives. And they wrote down the revelation of God. Here's, it's happened here in this mini form. And it's going to happen later on as time goes on to give us the word of God, God's revelation. And I think it's important that we understand this uh, comes, we come to point four. This is, here is faith uh, as the advantage, the advantage that we have. Faith is the advantage. Nothing else is so pleasing to God. You realize that? Nothing else is so pleasing to God as you and I walking by faith according to Jesus Christ and according to his word. This is what we are meant to do in this life. Walk by faith, not by sight. This is also the challenge that I have and you have. It's not like it's, uh, you know, somebody's just having a great time doing it all the time, easing through it. No, all of us are struggling with it and learning because we're so prone to living by our feelings. Living by what others think. The fear of man. Okay. So... Letter A under number four is just the grace factor. Okay? Moses had to acknowledge that God was angry. Somehow, I don't know what exactly how it came across, but the Bible says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So there's got to be an acknowledgement of this. And if you are aware of someone's anger, even, you know, between people, you kind of go, well, I better back off. And, you know, or if you're a young person and, yeah, I don't know, maybe you go right after it and say, what's the matter? You know, we, we kind of get taken back by someone's anger when it's boom, there it comes. So my point is Moses had to have had some sort of understanding here. God responded in anger. Is God always angry? Some of us think that. God's always angry. I can't do anything that pleases God. Uh, wrong. If you're a believer, you walk by faith. Without faith, Hebrews 11:6, it is impossible to please God. Okay? So what follows is God's gracious provision. He's angry against sin, isn't he? And he, his anger was poured out on Jesus Christ at the cross. His wrath was poured out there. Anger against sin was poured out on Jesus. And now when I believe in Jesus, I am a recipient of his lavish, he lavishes his grace on his children. And it, that's, that's why we sing amazing grace. So there's great motivation given when it says God was angry. So being aware of his anger, we need to then understand we can turn as believers, we can turn to praise him for his glorious grace, to love and appreciate his grace on a regular continual basis. 
And so God allows for Moses to partner up with Aaron. Then letter B is the growth factor. The growth factor. Faith is the advantage. This is what we need to be living by. And it's the grace factor, then the growth factor. Uh, Verse 17. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Take it in your hand. Do something with this. Right? When you do something with responding to God in faith, guess what's going to happen? You're going to grow. You're going to grow in your life. Maybe you think, hey, I haven't been growing. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I've been growing in my walk with the Lord. Well, you know why? It's because you aren't following through on this, this kind of a principle. You're not taking and taking action and go. Take action with what we know. Take the next step of faith. The blessing will follow and the experience of doing the right thing will bring more growth. Take the next step of faith. Take the next step of faith. Keep walking in faith. That brings us to point number five, your journey of faith. Letter A, admit your need. (laughs) Admit your tendency. Admit that you tend to walk by sight, that you walk by feelings. Admit it. Admit that you you tend to go with what other people say rather than what God says. You're you're prone to you know respond to the 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 influence of other people over God's influence and God's counsel from His Word. I know this hits every one of us. I know it does. It's not that you know there's someone in here that oh doesn't have any problem with that. They just march on in faith. No, everyone deals with this. Let's admit it. Admit our need for His grace in our lives. We are so unaccustomed to walking by faith that we just keep hopping back and backing up and backing up. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm like, I want to control my, my future, my destiny. I want to control it. I don't want to let God do that. I mean, I want to go to heaven, but I, I, I'm going to make my own decisions here based on my agenda, right? So, I, I really think it, it, admit your need is getting at humble yourself before God and submit to Him and then walk in the way that we're called to. Letter B, yield your staff. <laughs> Throw it down. Throw down what you have. Throw down what you hang on to. What are you hanging on to? Because we all do that. There's all a tendency, you know, we all have a tendency to, I lean on my reputation. I lean on my, my children and my grandchildren. I lean on my position at work. I lean on, and, and the next thing you know, you're, you're not leaning on God. You're leaning on all the stuff that you should not be leaning on. Yield it. Yield it to God. And then watch what he does with it, right? Watch what he's going to do. 
Letter C, fix your focus on Jesus alone. Fix your focus. Very similar in these ways. You know, we're called in Scripture to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, that's a neat, cool stick. Maybe you have that poster in your room or uh, in your living room or something, or your, you know, it's a plaque there. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's get more specific. Fix your eyes on what Jesus has done. Jesus finished his work so that you don't have to, you know, try to accomplish something more regarding your, the forgiveness of your sins. You're forgiven. Walk in that way. Live that way. Fix your focus on his victory that he's already accomplished. It's not like he's got to come back and say, gee, how do I get over Satan again? Satan's got to grab on things. No. Jesus has accomplished the victory. Hallelujah. Okay? There's no more question about it. Satan is, he's been caught. He's a, he's the loser, right? He doesn't win. So fix your focus on Jesus Christ. His restoration of your life. His pardon, his forgiveness, the grace that he pours out. And know, Christian, know that he will give victory over the, that habitual sin that, you, you know, you keep falling and tripping up with. He'll, he'll help you with that. He'll give you victory over that. The temptations of the world. You know, the more you spend time in the, wor- in the Word of God, the more you realize, yeah, I don't need to go spending like, you know, I need to go spend. I think I need to go spend more money. That's just a part of worldliness in that. Yeah, you need to get things. You need to you buy, you know, food and, and the things for the house and all that. I, I get that. But there's a, it's where we cross a line where now it's just, now it's just a, a push for worldly kind of stuff. Extra stuff we don't need. Fix your focus on Jesus alone. Letter D, activate obedience. Don't just know about obedience. Activate obedience. Okay? It starts by taking the first steps of faith that he's told us in his word. And here we'll use this passage. Take up your staff in your hand and go. Go. There, okay? And serve others. Go and serve the people of Israel by leading them and doing what I've told you to do. Lead them out of Egypt. And we would add, we know the importance of there's got to be love for one another. Not in word only, but in word and deed. To love others in your behavior, in your conversations, in all that we do. Okay, so that's scratching the surface a little bit about Moses and his journey of faith from speculation to activation. Activate obedience to what God's called us to do. And we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own power. We've got to do it by His grace, by His presence. Some of you remember, as we close this up, uh, our time together this morning, um, you remember the old story of the, the auctioneer. The auctioneer had an old violin, right? The old violin was not being bid on at all until a violinist came up and started 
playing. And once he started playing that violin, the bids started coming. Bids started coming all around the room. I'll pay a thousand for that. I'll pay two thousand, three, four, you know, and up, up went the price. Why? The master started playing, right? Listen, that's what God wants to do in our lives. I can say I'm an old fiddle. <laughs> Don't go anywhere with that. <laughs> and we can all say that. I, I've got this problem. I've got this broken string. I've got this scratch. i got that messed up. i got a dent here. It's cracked here. It's all this. God wants to use you. And we're told in the New Testament that we are vessels, clay pots. And that clay pot is supposed to hold a treasure, and the treasure is Jesus Christ and his gospel. I just, I, I just want to encourage you. Let's let the Lord fill us up with his treasure, the gospel. Share it with others and live it. Preach it to yourself and live it out and see what God does. Okay? He wants to use you as an instrument in his hands. Let's stand together as we close our time. I want to encourage you if, if there's, if this has caused you to think of something, stimulated something in your mind about wanting to talk to one of us, uh, one of the elders, uh, we'd love to be of help in that way, either myself or Chris Ward or Pastor Brennan, um, you know, to be of help in pointing you to the Word of God, to the Lord Himself. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may He equip you with every good thing that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever amen amen God bless you all and have a wonderful day we'll hope to see it tonight starting at five o'clock